Que Spooky Podcast contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, welcome to the Kespuki Podcast, where two married guys share stories of paranormal encounters, urban legends, true crime, and other scary things from around the world. I'm Andres. And I'm Kevin. And how are our primos, primas, and primes doing? Hey. What's up? How what's... was Halloween? Did everybody get a lot of candy? <laughs> because we sure didn't. Oh my god. We didn't even... <laughs> We didn't even go trick-or-treating. We gave candy out, and only five trick-or-treaters came to our door. I bought, like, two bags of Twix. I think and, it was the Twix. And I ate them all. Um, uh, I've been so busy with, um, like, homework and work and stuff that I completely forgot to get a costume for myself. And I knew what I wanted to be, but I'm not going to say it. Because <laughs> I'm going to save it until next year. A. A. So... You got a part of the costume already. You don't know what I'm going to be. Mm, you said it in your dreams. You were like, oh, I, I want to be this for Halloween in the middle of the night. You just right. said it out loud. Right. And I'm like, wow, writing that down. Let me pencil that down. Okay. <laughs> writing noises. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of uh, feedback of the, the Halloween episode. There, a lot of people really liked your little mini stories. <laughs> the halloween special i thought they were so bad i was like oh these aren't good but i don't know <laughs> you know what my problem is is i need to read books oh is that what it is that's what it is okay i think i forego reading books so often now that i feel like i feel like the kid in class that everybody was just kind of like oh he's gonna read we're gonna be here a while oh popcorn reading and then i could see you. it's like oh my god yeah you know, and not to make fun of that kid, because obviously, like, we all read at different reading comprehension levels, but I feel like my reading has definitely gotten worse. I was like, that my kid. Flow. I was that kid mainly because reading in front of people is very intimidating, and I'd rather read in my head. Hey. hey. So, in the spirit of that, I went out and got a book. We both got books. Oh, I, I buy books all the time. I just yeah, don't read them. I know. You, we have a, a fucking library's <laughs> worth of shit in our house that we don't read. Weighing I'll down read them our, eventually. Weighing down our bookcases. I got Cemetery Boys. And I'm really excited to read that. And I haven't started it yet. Um, Enough about reading. What are you watching? Watching? Yeah. Um, Actually, we've gotten a, the question quite a bit about what anime we like to watch. Yeah. So, um... Honestly, I just finished Fire Force Season 2, and that was really good. Yeah, um, we were supposed to watch that together, and... I watched it by myself. Yeah. Also, I like Jujutsu Kaisen, and I really like Demon Slayer, which is, like, the the most popular ones right now. Yeah. But I never really liked, um... What's that one called? Goku? What's his name? 
Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Dragon Ball Z. Well, that was unprompted. Um, you could have just talked about the ones you liked and not the ones you disliked. Oh, I'm saying like classic, a lot of classic ones that people talk about. Old ones. I was an Inuyasha ho. Yeah, I could tell. Um, I love <laughs> Demon Slayer and My Hero Academia. I That's like, what I've been watching recently. I like Demon Slayer too. My keychain is Demon Slayer. My phone case is Demon Slayer. Yeah. Me too. My AirPod case is Demon Slayer. Mine. It doesn't go to that extent. <laughs> that's where I cross. Because that's no, a tr- I'm that's a true where, fan. That's where I, I am cross a the true line. fan. What is she doing? Stop. I don't know. She like scratching the chin. She there. knows that we're recording, and she's like, "You know what? I'm about to go fuck with them." She's like, "Hello, I want attention." The the pleasure of having children, aka cats, in our lives. We love them, but not really. But we love them. Does anybody else talk shit to your pets? Do you say, Ay, pinche gata fea, asquerosa, sucia, and then you're like, oh, I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you. I'm so sorry. And then you hug them. They don't speak Spanish. Are we the only ones that do that? Or is it? does anybody else do that? They we want to know. Spanish. Please send us messages on Instagram because I want to know if I'm weird or if everybody else is just like me. They don't speak Spanish. Okay. This is a bilingual household. Not my cats. My cats speak Simlish. Uh, no, if I say Leo Ben, he's going to come over here right now. He will come here. Okay, go ahead and test it. No. Leo. Oh my God. He's sitting right next to you. <laughs> he's, he already, <laughs> the telepathy, the Spanish telepathy is so strong. He's already here. Okay. Right here next to me. He's probably just waiting for the crumbs to fall out of my beard from the food mm. that we ate earlier. Is there anything else you wanted to report before we jump into the story? Um... Oh, 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 hold on. Sorry. So I wanted to talk about what we, what we were watching, mainly because we were suggested a a show on Netflix. You've already seen it. Trece. That oh, yes. Specifically deals with Filipino um, folklore. Well, we already kind of knew about it, but um, Michelle reached out to us via email and kind of let us know um, that it's it's a kind of like an anime, but it introduces like Filipino, Filipino folklore um they said it was like really good i've been meaning to watch it and now that i finally have a day off hopefully this weekend you're gonna watch it I, i'm gonna watch it's, it i'm, I'm so glad it. i watched it by myself because kevin has been so focused with school the last couple of semesters that i've just been like doing my own thing with tv and i had the pleasure of watching and finishing it and it was really good it is definitely not a child geared tv show yeah it's definitely it's bloody it's gory Mm -hmm. it has um the a swang in it there's a lot of there's a lot of folklore the lady in white their version of the yes tikbalang is in it too and so obviously me and kevin knew a little bit about like filipino folklore because that shit is scary let me just tell you (laughs) that shit is scary we used to watch destination truth and they actually did an episode about the aswang Mm-hmm. And the fucking part of that episode that I remember was when Ryder was like, if I see a fucking dog, that shit's the swung. I will swing on that fucking dog. The next fucking scene, there's a dog staring at her. Mm-hmm. And then a couple scenes later, the dog disappears and there's suddenly a cat. And the thing about the swung is that it shapeshifts into different animals to get away from people. Mm-hmm. That episode was so good. One of my favorite episodes spooky. of Destination Truth. Um, also... 
well i when you were watching the show i would walk by and i would i, I instantly recognize like oh aswang aswang that's an aswang hold on can you take her off there um but the show grim i don't know if you guys it was kind of like a weird i don't even think it had like a really good following like the show grim i don't remember there being like i think it was like an nbc i know yeah but it, it was, was one it of those definitely kinda... didn't have like supernatural fans you know what i mean yeah like the supernatural fans were like shipping people the brothers were gay together and all what like all hell? this fanfic and castiel <laughs> and all i know there never was like a big fan club for grim like there was yeah. for supernatural even though grim i think was the better show literally for supernatural the first few seasons and the, so the reason i i bring up grim is because it's about it's like a how would you describe it like a cop show it's a cop show but it has paranormal and like supernatural stuff intertwined into it it's a very and it very had a much, very good premise very much cop procedural yeah with, with uh it's law and order plus supernatural Ah, so good but <laughs> the first few seasons ugh, iconic and i think after a while they didn't really know where they were going with it so uh, the last few seasons are just like what the hell but anyway <laughs> there's a there's a, a few episodes i think that the aswang is introduced in it and that shook me because they obviously make them look like they're set in our world where people like transform into them and oof. they vogue Anyway, um, well, actually, speaking of that show, <laughs> they had an episode with a kukui in it, mm-hmm. and that episode was really good. The one with the that the grandma turns out she had like spoilers, spoilers. It came out like ten years ago. I know, but our list, some of our listeners haven't watched that show. Well, in case you watch it, the grandma that shit fucked me up she was fucking killing people left and right in that neighborhood and she's like <gasps> hey, wait, it was so the grandma. i just remembered yeah it was the grandma oh my god yes i was just she, kidding but she was like you want some mashed taters it's it's always the the grandma it always is um but yeah that episode was it, i think kate del castillo's in it and oh my she's god, a, yes another um, cop right mm-hmm. but she well anyway change the subject because we don't want to spoil it in case you guys are interested in it it's good uh we recommend it Mm, the first few seasons (laughs) finishing my thought from earlier i'm sorry my um supernatural had an escalation problem from the first season how many times is the world gonna end at the end of every fucking season before you're like you know what i'm kind of done with the show the escalation is just out of hand yeah they made it. They made the big bad and the big the big bad wolf like really bad. Like, once every you kill season. the devil, like, what do you do? What do you do after that? Who's even bigger and better than the devil? Just like, like you, go home do? at that point. Like, yeah. if anybody else rears their head, just be like, you know what? I'm retired. <laughs> that's why I respect that some shows are like we're only doing four seasons, and you, if you love this show, that's it. That's it. We're not doing anymore. Yeah. Like, there's more respect for the storytelling now, and not like sell out for the money. Because there are shows that should have ended like three or four seasons in and that would have been great. And they just kept fucking going and going and going and going. And they ruined the show. And then eventually, like five seasons, six seasons in, they have continuity issues because they wrote themselves into a wall and the shows aren't as good anymore. Yeah. At least having like a set path where it's like, okay, we're only doing three seasons, but those three seasons, iconic. So did you want to jump into the story now? Well, I did a thing. 
before we jump into the story. Um, so we're supposed to go to a wedding tomorrow. Hi, Whitney. Hi, Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy's getting married. Um, I didn't check where the wedding was going to be. And now we found out that it's an hour, almost two hours away. So now we have to adjust our plans two hours. But we'll be there. See you there, Cassidy. Congratulations. What you got? Oh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Okay, so I haven't done a true crime story in a while. That's right, you haven't. So I decided, why not? Are you okay? I'm trying not to sneeze. So this is the Gill family disappearance. Who's the Gill family? So they are located... Hold on. So some of my sources. (laughs) I actually found this. What's that one guy's name? John Linguizamo? The actor? Yeah. He's the host of um, like a paranormal show set in Latin America. Oh. I forgot what it was called. And I have a computer literally right in front of me, but I don't care enough to Google it. So yeah, and then you have to edit it out later. So okay, so I don't care enough to Google it because I think it's like a paid subscription thing, and I'm like, I'm not paying for that. If it's not free, I'm not interested. Um, but this is kind of how I found the story. Like I found it advertised to me like a um, a trailer um, on YouTube, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll look into it. So I looked into it. I found out you have to pay, but the trailer mentioned the familia Hill. So, in English, it's Gil, G-I-L-L, but, so, well, hold on. Some of my sources are a YouTube video by Dinosaur Vlogs, a YouTube video by Leyendas Creepy, El Once article, or, uh, like, an article on El Once, Uno News article by Juan Manuel Hernandez, Micrófono Digital article, and Wikipedia. Dang, anything else? I can't stand when articles don't have, like who wrote them and i'm just like anonymous i don't want to get sued anonymous okay so set the scene it is 2002 i was like three. Oh wait no <laughs> i was like 10 um so this takes place in the province of entre rios argentina located on the northeastern part of argentina uh, how did i know this was going to be argentina how'd you know is it the last name Gil? Yes, I think that is why I thought that. I would have not gotten it out of the last name. Well, there was a lot of Europeans that immigrated to Argentina, so a lot of them have very, like, European last names. There's a lot of Europeans' last names across the whole of Latin America. Argentina's main um, immigrant groups were Italians, Germans, and Welsh. Yes, they're very light-complected. Okay. So, the Hill family lo- um, lived in Crucecita Septimas on an estancia, which is kind of like a ranch or an estate. I had varying um, translations, but it was kind of like a ranch where there was like a house and farmland. Okay. Yeah. So, it was called La Candelaria, and it was owned by a German man named Alfonso Goethe. So, the family consisted of six members, Jose Ruben Hill also known as, like, nicknamed Mencho, which was, uh, he was 56 years old, Margarita Norma Gallegos, 26 years old, 
Maria Ofelia, 12 years old. Uh, Osvaldo Jose, 9 years old. Sofia Margarita, 6 years old. And Carlos Daniel, 2 years old. So, not going to mention that he was 30 years older than her. So, Mencho worked on the estancia tending to the land and the farm animals, while Margarita worked... Um, she helped out on the land, too, but she also worked as a cook for a local rural school. So, on January 12, 2002, the family attended a vigil for one of their friends, uh, like a family friend, Maximo Vega, who had recently passed away uh, in the nearby town of Villale, located about 30 kilometers away from where they lived. Um, a school teacher of the local rural school and Margarita's colleague, or I guess, yeah, Margarita's colleague, because they both worked at the school together, they she ended up driving them back to the estancia after the vigil. And that night was the last time that the family was seen. Oh. Okay, so fast forward. Unexpectedly. Um, in March of 2002, um, Alfonso Goethe traveled to Paraná to inform Otto Gil in passing that his brother and family had left the estancia. That's all he mentioned. It was March, and he said... Uh, hey, by the way, your brother uh, left. So, yeah, the whole thing is weird because he waited months to tell anybody. Uh-huh. And the first time he mentions it was in passing to his, his brother. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, your brother left. Uh, bye. What, um, what year was this? 2002. 2000. Okay. So, fairly recent. Yes. I was like, oh, well, I think in the 80s. About 20 years ago. Well, yeah. Don't fucking that say is that not, shit. That is Don't not recent. Don't I'm fucking sorry. say that to me, okay? I'm still a child. A All child the, of God. Everyone born in 2002 are like, what the hell? <laughs> everyone born Damn. before that are like, what the hell? <laughs> um, so, yeah, according to Alfonso, the family had left all their belongings. And he specifically mentioned they left their legal documents there. Or like passports and stuff like that. How does he know that? Because he owned the property and he just showed up. He said, let me rummage through your... Hold on. Let me hold my he bang. Said, let me look through your papers. Said, let me move my bang and look at this again. Uh, Luisa officially made the police report at the Comisaria, or just like a precinct in Viales. However, the cause for the report was classified as a whereabouts investigation. There was no mention of the family um, being like missing or anything. Uh-huh. Um, according to Luisa, this moment is what messed up the entire investigation. Um... According to authorities, all of the mattresses in the house had been set on fire and there were small traces of blood mixed with mud outside of the house. Hmm. None of the family's documents were found in the house, contrary to what Alfonso had said. Luisa said that when she pressed Alfonso about why the mattresses had been lit on fire, he said because they were covered in mold. Like, so you're... Okay, Hold on. Maybe I should have specified. They were set on fire while they were inside the house. <laughs> he didn't take them outside. He <laughs> he just threw a fucking match on them or something. He, he was just like, you know what? I just really hate fungi. I really fucking hate mold. I'm sorry. He said, you know what? I couldn't what? even pull it outside. I had to burn them there inside the house. He's like, I am a eukaryotic family loving person. Fuck that mold. You know what? Maybe he knew what was going to happen. Oh, right. The German guy did it, right? Meaning, 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 like, you know how nowadays, like, we were just talking about this the other day, how, like, 
all zombie movies and like zombie stories are all about like fungi being the reason why people turn into zombies or like molds and spores and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what if he knew he was like, if I leave this mold on this bed, we're going to have zombies. So he burned the mold. Maybe and that's why. That is the only probable cause. <laughs> I'm kidding. What the fuck? Moving on. <laughs> um, However, an estancia worker later told that told them that the mattresses were in fact covered in blood, not mold. And this was after the fact. And the thing is, is the worker didn't tell the police. He told Luisa. So she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this whole story is just, what the fuck? So Luisa claims that Alfonso had lied about having granted Mencho and Margarita a three-month vacation because he had never been that generous, often only giving them no more than 10 to 15 days off at a time. Um, on the 27th of May in 2002, an inspection on the property was made. And the first thing the police did when they arrived, however, was have veal for lunch that Alfonso Goethe had slaughtered uh, slaughtered and prepared for the occasion. So they showed up and they're like, hi, we're here for the police investigation. It's like, oh, perfect. I was waiting for you guys. Have some veal. So the whole thing is weird. This guy is weird. Not to be like, yeah, the German guy did it. But what you the know, fuck? <laughs> they're making it very difficult for me not to. A running theme in this this show. I just keep saying how the cops ain't shit. No matter what country it is, the cops ain't shit ooh, every ooh, ooh. fucking and time. And we will get to that later. We okay, will get let's to keep that. going. I feel like I feel like they're on a roll right now. They're just they're just it's getting better at this precinct. It it truly is. So another suspicious thing to know was that calls were made from Mencho's cell phone on the thirteenth of January two thousand two, which was, if you remember, the day after they had supposedly has been seen quote unquote to a woman in rosario who was unable to be located mencho's cell phone was active for 15 months after the supposed disappearance all of the sources i read claimed that the phone was active and i it was never really specified that that meant that the phone was still in service or that the phone's battery had not died but after those 15 months it was like disconnected or something so i bet he had like a nokia or something i don't know so i what i think it is i anybody correct me if i'm wrong where my parents are from in mexico Mm -hmm. or how it used to be back in the early 2000s when i used to go to mexico is you would load your phone up with a prepaid card okay so telmex would load up your card and i think that's how it works over there so your phone won't turn off unless it runs out of minutes Mm. so it's still technically quote unquote active Active. until Mm -hmm. you're out of minutes or out of data or whatever so it could possibly be that his phone was loaded up with minutes and they automatically expire after a point of time that you don't ever use them. That There might be some catch or something like that. Yeah. And so after 15 months or 12 months or whatever it was after him of not using it, the phone company took it and then expired the minutes. I don't know. Possibility. Yeah. I don't know. The thing is, me. is that all the sources I read were all in Spanish. So all of them just said that the phone was quote-unquote active so i I'm think like, that's what it okay. means that there was minutes on it and the number was active it wasn't reassigned to anybody oh okay that's, that's probably no, what that means i think he had a nokia i'm so convinced was, that nokia's so will was, survive the, um, the apocalypse, nuclear apocalypse. Yeah. like cockroaches yeah 
This world is going to be like nothing populated by cockroaches and cockroaches Nokia. and Nokias. Flying cockroach and Nokias. Why they got to be flying? Because that's the best kind. Okay. When they fly in your hair. There clearly is a hierarchy here. There is. Okay, so, and as for the investigation, so around mid-2003, Judge uh, Jorge Sebastián Gallino from Nogoya ordered anyone with a connection to the family to be interviewed for any clues on where the family may have been. None of the family's neighbors or relatives had any idea what may have happened to them or where they could have gone um, had the disappearances been voluntary. So, that was an option at first. They're like, what if they just moved? Um, so friends and family all said that the family seemed happy and that Mitchell was never witnessed to be sad, but there were a few people that said that a few days before the disappearance, Mitchell had been, was seen being quiet, pensive, and concerned about something. Oh my God. He was concerned about that German man showing up to his house and looking through his documents and burning his mattresses. It's a fear that many live with. Um... According to people close to the family, them leaving voluntarily would not would have been impossible for three main reasons. The first one, they didn't have their own vehicle. Like I mentioned earlier, they were driven back to their house uh, with one of Margarita's coworkers, so uh-huh. they didn't. They would not have had like a means to just get up and leave. Right. The second one, the economic crisis in the country at the time would have made it difficult to find a job anywhere else. So had they been looking for seeking, like seeking better job opportunities somewhere within the country, it would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. And if they were seeking uh, jobs outside of the country, they would have needed their passports, which, according to Alfonso Goethe, the passports were at the house. But then again, they weren't. So I'm like, okay... Um, the third reason, Margarita had not Margarita had not collected her last check at the school she worked at, which is honestly a reason that I wouldn't leave. I'm like, uh-uh. We gotta Run go back. Check. You gotta go back. Run me my motherfucking check. Um, Alfonso Goethe had been a person of interest, but there was no hard evidence tying him to the whereabouts of the family, so no formal charges were charged against him. Or no, no formal charges were brought up against him. Um, in 2008, a raid was carried out on the Estancia where the floor was raised and excavations were done around the house as well as in nearby wells. Um, three blood samples were found in the premises, but without Mencho's paternal genetic pattern sample, they were unable to confirm who the blood belonged to. And even if they had the paternal um, pattern sample, forensic investigators claimed that the blood was too old to get any concrete results due to contamination since it literally had been like six years since the disappearance. Something else that the investigators noted was the presence of a species of a large uh, of large flies in the house that are always present around dead animals or dead bodies. The area was monitored with ground sonar to detect any disturbances in the earth, but none were detected. That same year, a forensic psychologist concluded that the that the Hill family had no psychological or religious reasons to cut themselves off from their family and friends. So. He's, like, not really saying it, but at the same time he is. He's, like, something happened to them. They wouldn't have... Oh, my God. Of all the fucking times they could have chosen to play with that fucking rat, (laughs) they decided to play it when we're recording. (laughs) Anyway, so they would not have left willingly, basically. In 2011, an excavation was ordered on a well on the property, but no clues on the family were found. 
There were reported sightings of members of the family during this time in neighboring provinces in Argentina and in Paraguay and Brazil. It turns out that they were lookalikes, so nothing ever came out of them. Doppelgangers. I knew the story was paranormal. I knew it. <laughs> um, so leads went cold around this time, and the story died down in the public interest. The case was not considered closed, but it just went like cold. Uh-huh. So if you can imagine, okay, 2002. This is when everything goes, like, happens. In 2015, Judge Gustavo Costa and District Attorney Federico Oriburu decided to restart the investigation. According to District Attorney Federico, they decided to start from the very beginning, so interviewing all witnesses if the passage of time had refreshed their memory or if their conscience had weighed on them. So basically, like, if someone knew something, it's been a few years, might as well come clean. So on June 16, uh, June 2016, Alfonso Goethe passes away at 78 years old in a vehicle accident. In 2017, a man named Armando Nani came forward with evidence. Um, uh, uh, Armando, who had worked before as a contracted farmhand on the Estancia La Candelaria and had known Mencho, says that he never came forward for fear of Alfonso Goethe. He went to the courts of Nogoya and presented his testimony that the Gil family hadn't abandoned the estancia, nor had they gone on a trip, but that they could be in the same place they had been the whole time, the Candelaria Estancia. Um, Armando claims that 20 days before the family's disappearance, he had overheard Mencho complaining about Goethe asking him to install a second and third well in the outskirts of the property, one in a stream bed that had dried out. In February 2018, there was an excavation team dispatched the Estancia with the guidance of Armando Nani, who marked two possible areas of interest. Um, after, After excavation, authorities were only able to dig up small animal remains. The inspection of the second well did not return any results, and the search for the third supposed hidden well ran into judicial bureaucracy and plans to search for it fell through. And that was in 2018. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes I forget what year I'm in. 2021. Thank you. Welcome. Recently, like within like the past few months, like with, like this year. Recently. Yes. 2021. Um, Adelia Gallegos, Margarita's mother, told the local news outlet in the area that this coming January will mark 20 years of the family's disappearance. And she says that the case is still open and hopes that someone will, or someone that had have seen or heard something of them comes forward with any information on the family's whereabouts. Due to a judicial intervention on the case, there have been ordered excavations on the Estancia as well as having the Equipo Argentino de Antropología Forense, or in English, the Argentine team of forensic anthropology to get involved to help find any pieces of evidence. So this was literally recently. They are currently awaiting judicial and financial approval to continue with the investigations. So that's kind of the reason why there are so many like large time spans between these, like anything happening like this, this excavation happened this year. And then a few years after like this happened. So that's kind of the reason why there were so many large time periods um, where nothing was happening. So today the case of the Hill family disappearance has become a symbol of just uh, judicial police and governmental malpractice and inexperience. Like I said earlier, like Mencho's um, sister, Luisa, claims that from the very beginning, 
the case had not been treated with the proper respect and the proper attention that it deserved. Like, as if they were saying that it was, like, a whereabouts investigation instead of, like, taking it seriously and saying, like, hey, this family... Disappeared. Disappeared. It's Possibly six murdered. Six people. Yeah. Um, and then the whole thing with, like, Alfonso Goethe, like, what the hell? Obviously, he had money and connections. Well... That's the only thing on. that I... Well... I'm okay. almost done. Okay, 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 let's go well, on. it's not a lot left, but... Okay, so here are some of the theories. This one, <laughs> the first one, I guess... The entire family was abducted by aliens. That's Love the that for them. Love it. At least, I mean, I'd rather them get abducted than be dead, but... <laughs> um, there have been numerous reports, or there had been numerous reports of UFO sightings in the area a little before the family disappeared. Locals in the area have also reported sightings of people out at night that don't always look human, with large heads and large reflective eyes. Oh, hell no. What the fuck? Yeah, and the thing is, is like, this is like in a very little, like, small town. Remote. Like, a, what's an estancia? So. so, me, like, myself, I imagine that these people live on a huge ranch... Mm. obviously like old man murder man murder is, man murder man old murder man Gautier or whatever his name is Gautier. somebody that i used to know <laughs> the the lead singer of somebody that i used to <laughs> no wait the name of the song is somebody that i used to know <laughs> okay old murder man old german murder man old german murder man lived on a, re- on a rancho Yes. Right, and Mental was probably the farmhand. He was helping him on the ranch, mm-hmm. so he lived in a little cabin at the ranch. Okay, I picture a huge ranch, very little roads. Yeah, I picture basically where my parents are from, like the country. Well, I can't picture that. The only the point country. of reference I have is living in Oklahoma. So, uh, yeah. So drive two and a half hours out of here, and that's where I'm. What I'm picturing. A lot that of, is literally so scary to me. Yes, there's nothing out there. There's not. The nearest hospital is probably two hours away. Okay. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So that's what I'm picturing. So I mean, these things don't surprise me that this is what happened. I mean, yeah. So there are actually a lot of um, alien or like UFO sightings reported during that time. So that that's kind of why people were like, you know, they might have been abducted and stuff like that. Um, the second theory, the family had stumbled into something they shouldn't have, such as witnessing something by a corrupt, corrupt cop or something involving organized crime. So that was kind of an option, too, that they may have, especially how um, Mentor had been seen to be like, worried quiet pensive yeah like beforehand maybe he if the family wasn't doing something like if they weren't doing financially well that they may have you know asked for help in other venues of organized crime i don't know i don't know anything about organized crime um another theory was that the family encountered an enemy of their past i don't know um follow them home and then murdered them and had them buried somewhere on the property. So, like the last time they were, last time they were sight or er, seen was at the vigil. So maybe they may have seen someone that they had beef with in the past. They followed them home, murdered them, and buried them on the property. Sorry. Um, the last theory 
is that the owner of the property, Alfonso Goethe, had killed the family and disposed of their bodies in the alleged hidden well on the property, had lit the bodies on fire, and had the well covered up. Supposedly, if you believe in this theory, uh, Alfonso paid off anyone involved in covering the well, and he supposedly had paid anyone off that would have found any evidence connecting him to the disappearances, which is why he had never been formally labeled as a suspect. Mm-hmm. Or even brought charges against him even though it was fucking weird that you invite the cops over to a fucking crime scene and then make them veal for dinner that's weird (laughs) anyway so this is still considered an unsolved and open case in argentina and like i said like people this become this has become like a symbol a national symbol for argentina of Police incompetence. Yeah, malpractice, incompetence, inexperience, not only by the police, but by the judicial and the governmental, like, local government. They should be embarrassed. Uh, That's sad. And let me tell you, when I was was watching YouTube videos about this case, their accents are so fascinating. (laughs) El Castillo. Yeah. So, that is... My case. The old German murder man. Yup. I like that that name better. Thank you. <laughs> better than what'd you say? A late singer to <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> somebody that I used to know. The late singer of somebody that I used Featuring to know. Kimbra. Uh, Leo's back in here. Let's ignore him. Um, what do you got for the palate cleanser? Okay. Uh, there is a, a lot of stuff going on. Okay. Not just in my life. Okay. But everything in general. Uh-huh. So, here's a few things. You can jump in and chime in when you, when you feel available. So, I guess there's a Salsa Valentina shortage. Uh-huh. True story. You told me about this. Yes, I did. Specifically because... Where was it that we went to? And they were like, oh shit, there aren't any here. My brother came over and said that he couldn't find any. Oh. Well, I found a lot. But I thought we had like a few bottles here. And after you told me that... I <laughs> like you bought that three. Week, no, hold on. Well, before that. Before I bought uh, three because I'm out of control. Um, before that, I was looking for a bottle because I was like, we have to have one here. We had to have one at the house. I was over here fucking like desperate, like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> what? Just like looking, <laughs> like I, opening all the fucking cabinets, like, where the fuck is it? <laughs> I know we had one. I swear we had <laughs> you one. I was like, ate it all. <laughs> you literally fucking put it on everything. It's good. Shampoo, Valentina on top of it. Tasty. It's good for the scalp. Don't even fucking talk shit about the stuff that I be eating. Because don't you like mint ice cream? Mint ice cream is delicious. That's sick. What the hell? I think it's weird that you don't like mint to begin with. It's like, the what? How do you not like mint? Mint ice cream? Bitch, that's toothpaste ice cream. You dentist. Enjoy your toothpaste ice hey, cream. don't talk about my cousin Ivanise like that, okay? <laughs> she does that. <laughs> I bet she enjoys mint ice cream. She does. Your dentist. Yeah. Sick. I like that clean teeth feeling after you go to the dentist where your teeth are like really, they're like, I don't like, like that. squeak. Anyway, um, speaking of ice cream, good segue. Wow. 
this was like for a few it's been like this for a few months but the ice cream truck that goes down our street has been playing christmas music since may yes and leo fucking loves <laughs> the ice cream truck have you noticed yeah every time the ice cream that little music the little musiquita's playing down the street he fucking runs to the window and watches it drive by every like, fucking i wonder day. what that is how does he's a cat what does he think it is like what a little jingle <laughs> what the fuck like what is it maybe he was a, Me- a little mexican boy in his past life maybe um i don't know why i included this in the pilot cleanser but recently oh fuck Ooh, recently <laughs> you punched things oh my god i'm so sorry i just punched the fuck out of the mic um what i was watching earlier this past few weeks ago i think um Oh, it was during my break. It was during my fall break because uh-huh, uh-huh. I had a week to do nothing. Okay. I watched the show Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three with James Franco. Is that his name? Yes. Um, you we told me not to watch it, but we don't talk about him. I mean, fuck him. But at the same time, like that was before I realized what he did. But anyway, um, I was watching the show. Ah, uh, so good. It's based off of a Stephen King novel. Um, but let me tell you, I fucking cried at the last episode. Thinking about it, I just need, I don't even remember what happened. But it's about a time traveler. But uh, it was so good. I refused to watch it. Every time I walked by the TV and you were playing it, I ran to the other room. And I'm I like, saw let that. me go watch I hours and hours of TikTok videos. Um, at the same time, I tried making strawberry and mango milk teas. <gasps> I saw that. <laughs> Flop. Emphasis on tried. Flop Tina Aguilera over here. It was disgusting. Okay. Um, I watched a, see, this was my first air. I'm sorry. No offense to anyone that's like, you know, tries to do everything on natural and stuff like that. Good for you. But sometimes I want some fucking artificial flavoring. Sometimes I want to taste the fakeness in the strawberry. Um, because I got the idea from a YouTuber that focuses on that, like natural stuff. Like she made first mistake. (laughs) She told you to pour doTERRA into your drink. What's that? I was joking. It's an MLM. It's like natural or essential oils. Sick. I don't want a big MLM to come after us. So, um, oh, so yeah, that, that was my first mistake. Cause I was like, girl, this is watered down milk. It was so sad. Or maybe I fucked it up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you put enough flavoring in it. There's a few more things. Um, there's no more pumpkin stuff at Dunkin', so I want to scream. Fall is officially over. I mean, not legally. Legally? <laughs> the sun said Spiritually, no. it's Spiritually. over. <laughs> yeah, once <laughs> Dunkin' says Halloween. it's done, we're done. Oh my god, the way people were fucking putting up Christmas trees after Halloween, I was like, dude, the fucking disrespect. The For disrespect. What? It was so sad. The disrespect for what? For Halloween. Like, you can't let it sizzle out. You had to put a fucking tree on its corpse. Well, we celebrate Halloween all year, so what does it matter? True. We love spooky shit. We act like it's Halloween every day. True, true. Another topic. The shared experience as a 90s kid of getting lost in a Kmart. Iconic. We talked to Whitney about this. Whitney and Alan. Um... But I was like, why does everyone in our age range have that shared experience? Of getting lost in a Kmart? Of getting lost in a Kmart. I got lost in a Winn-Dixie. I don't ever remember getting lost in a Kmart. 
Okay, well then you're the outlier. What do you want me to tell you? That's because you guys don't have Winn Dixie's over here. Yeah, I don't know. Towards what that the is. Midwest. That's a grocery store. I think it went out of business. Well, there I think, you go. I think Publix is where it's at now, mm. because my 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 uh, coworker Michelle loves to talk about how good the sandwiches at Publix are. Well, the common denominator is that we all got lost at a Kmart. No, well, sp- primarily like stores that don't even exist anymore. Yes, I haven't seen a story. Kmart in years you know what i got lost at sears and sears doesn't exist anymore <gasps> so if you didn't get lost at a winn dixie if you didn't get lost at a kmart if you didn't get lost at a sears you're not a 90s kid sorry that's the requirement you know what sears like when i think about like the sears that i used to go to when i was a kid mm-hmm. growing up i always think of like the back rooms memes you know what i'm talking about yeah the like very like reminiscent like yellowing walls like weird carpet sort of like was sears always going out of business at at all (laughs) at all times i don't ever remember like seeing a fully stocked sears there was some type of emptiness going on in the sears when i remember and this was in like the 90s 1999 1998 before the millennium i don't remember that far Oh my god! I bought a computer, and then my mom thought that it was not going to work after two thousand. No, because that was of the Y two K bug. Yeah, do you not oh remember god. that? No, they were like planes are going to fall out of the sky. We're not going to have computers for two or three years until the programmers can fix it. And it was because I think somebody forgot to uh, add a zero in programming to add it to where like. When the new year rolled over for the year 2000, the computers would think it was the year 200 and it would say not possible and then it would like freak out and then break down. What the fuck? They didn't possibly think of just adding one to 1999. Boy, I don't know. I was I was a child. I was well, first not... of all, I was seven. At that point, if someone tells me Y2K, I'm like, ma'am, I literally do not give a fuck. <laughs> I'm more concerned about my Pokemon. Uh, Digimon. This was not a competition, but okay. <laughs> it is to me. Um. So yeah, uh, you either got lost. What kind of <laughs> what new BuzzFeed um poll or like quiz? It's like what what type of nineties kids are you? The one that got lost at Kmart or Sears? The one that disappeared into the back rooms of Sears. Oh my god. You know we always like to bring up a fucking Marvel movie, so I did. This is the second to last topic, and then we can move on to. Oh, are you going to talk about Salma Hayek? No, even better, sign language in the Eternals. So, granted, the Eternals. I'm not expecting historical accuracy. Why the fuck were they speaking English in Mesopotamia? I don't care. Um, but Makari, one of the characters in the Eternals, she is actually played by a deaf actress, and I'm sorry, I didn't look up the name. But after the movie, there was supposedly, there has been supposedly a 250% increase in searches for sign language for beginners. Ugh, and let me tell you. Representation matters? Yes, and <laughs> sign language is fucking important. Yes. Even the it's, other day when... The United when States I, has a whole other language that people don't even know about. Exactly. Nothing is more American, if you want to go down that route... Than American Sign American Language. Than American Sign Language. Yeah. But even the other day when I went to go pick up our food, I'm not going to say where. Um, 
But um, I went to go pick up our food, and there was two guys that were seated at a bar thing, and they were just speaking sign language or signing to each other. And I heard, I saw the like the server approach them and then sign back at them, and I was like, oh my god, it's so fucking rare. Seeing people, how cultured of them, of knowing, like even the basics, like you're not, nobody's expecting anyone to be fluent, but at least to say like, "Hi, how are you doing?" You know, basic stuff. So I'm like, ugh. When I saw that, I was like, yes, yes. But also with the whole summer hike thing. Yeah, backpack or piggybacking off of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see a lot of uh, Hispanic people that were very upset or were feeling? They weren't upset with the movie. It was there. They were very conflicted about the feelings that they had with the battle that happened. What happened with the battle? The very last scene, I think it was the Olmecs, was it? There was a battle where the Spanish were fighting indigenous people in Mexico. Oh, Tenochtitlan. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people were very upset about it. They were feeling some type of way. They were like, that's the first time I had ever seen my people been represented like that. And they were the way they were being killed, and indigenous people are not Hispanic. Did I say controversial? Hispanic? Yeah, but indigenous people are more likely to first identify with their nation and then to their country. Um, but I get what you mean, and it makes sense to be mad about, especially if you are indigenous and it's the first time being represented and seeing how big Tenochtitlan was. And to see them be murdered, I'm, I mean, I understand that it's pretty upsetting. People were feeling some type of way. They were like, wow, never had seen that depicted in a movie before. And it was very upsetting for me. Wow. And I was like, I can't identify with that, but I get it. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about that. It, the thought never even crossed my mind when we watched the movie, that part of the scene. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing, I don't know if you're going to talk about it. The interview that Salma Hayek did that came out like after the movie came out, mm-hmm. I think. Where she was talking about how, like, she was scared of saying that the suit was really tight on her because she thought that they were going to fire her. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I think you sent me that interview. Oh, I don't think it was that part of the interview. It was, like, on TikTok of how she was... I don't remember how it started. But basically, yes. she said that seeing herself in the mirror with the suit on for the first time, like, she cried... Yes. That was very emotional. Yeah. For me. I got really teary-eyed when I watched that because I have problems with Salma Hayek. Mm-hmm. I like her, but I feel like she's kind of problematic a okay. little bit. But uh, I felt very... I did. I felt represented. Salma Hayek was a superhero. We haven't seen a, a Mexican superhero in movies before like that. I mean, Chapulín, we'll always have Chapulín Colorado, right? Because he was the Ugh, goat. Fuck but... you. <laughs> he was the goat. But um, I don't know. It was kind of a nice feeling. Even yeah. though. Well, primarily her, what she mentioned in the interview was she was crying and she said, I felt, I saw my brown face. I saw your brown I face. I saw your brown face. I saw the little girl in the mirror. Mm-hmm that dreamt and i was like girl stop i'm crying i'm crying right now and she said i'm not only seeing that but i'm seeing all the all the brown little girls are gonna look at me and say like i can be a superhero too basically yes so emotional wow 
Good for her. Sorry, I just had to mention that because that was very emotional for me. I saw the video, I think, right after we had watched the movie. And I was like, I don't want to think about this. It's going to make me cry. And then you sent it to me again, and I actually watched it. And it was just... And you cried. Yes. Wow. A little bit. Did you see that there was um, a bit of backlash for um, Fastos scene? So the actor that plays Fastos, like, or the, I guess the character primarily, yes. um, he is married to a man in the movie. And that movie was banned after that scene because Marvel just refused to um, cut the scene. Because usually when movies are premiered in other countries, a lot... They have to be edited. Yeah, they have to be edited to fit some type of like Their laws and stuff like that. So China is one of the biggest ones. And um, so after Marvel refused to cut um, him kissing his husband, it was literally just like a little kiss. And it's like, okay, bye. Um, but Saudi Arabia and China have decided not to air the movie afterwards. Those sinners. And then... <laughs> the depravity. And then Angelina oh. Jolie was like, good fuck them anyway i was like oh damn she said it you know she was uh she was a baddie in this movie yup i really liked it 10 out of 10 i enjoyed it so uh, last topic before we jump into your story last okay. thing last thing okay i decided <gasps> i've decided i'm gonna work on not apologizing all the time granted i'm from the midwest Saying sorry is a pastime. Um, so I think I'm working on it. But I am getting a new job. And it was kind of hard letting everyone at my current job know that I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Because it's like my first job that I actually get along with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, no complaints, I guess. But... For a while, I was like, why do I keep apologizing over the things that I want? I felt bad having to constantly apologize. Not even feeling... It was more feeling bad for myself. And it's like, I'm aware of what I'm doing, but I'm still doing it. So, I'm working on no longer apologizing as much. Doesn't mean that I'll stop, but that I'm becoming more aware of not having to apologize for have fe- having feelings or not having to apologize for looking out for what's best for me. Right. So. Ding, 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 ding. Just right a there. new realization I had recently. Yes. You should. I always think that if you don't feel comfortable at a job, if you don't feel wanted at that job and you find yourself another job, I would never be concerned about if you're going to leave them short staffed who you're leaving behind because at the end of the day they treat you they're you're replaceable and they treat you as such mm-hmm. and at the end of the day like nobody's going to look out for your mental health and nobody's going to look out for your pocket like you will so you got to do what's best for you every single time at the end of the day you got to take care of you first yep well not to be emo on main but <laughs> no we're not being emo we're just being truthful period truthful i think like as children of immigrants we're always taught to be like thankful for everything that we have Mm -hmm. and just like hold on to like any little thing that we get and just hold on to it like for example my mom keeping the fucking containers for the butter and putting frijoles in it and that just comes out of a necessity that you didn't have 
yeah back then and they it, these things weren't possible for us and we've been raised that way to to be thankful for any little thing that we get but the thing is is that there's nothing wrong with wanting more mm-hmm. so is that what it is i yeah. always just said it was because i'm from, I'm from the midwest saying um sorry or oh is usually just like a midwest thing so i mean like, oh. it may be a combination of both but i've i've met with people that like are from um their parents are from africa they feel the same way mm-hmm. i've met with people from uh, like i had a lot of asian friends in high school they felt the same way too so i think oh it's just God. a very like second generation like children of immigrants type of thing oh so somebody write that down somebody do some research write that down write that down write that down Okay, are we moving on to my story? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, so I got a story for you guys. I I like this story. It's true crime. Oh. Um, I do have some trigger warnings. There's sexual assault, drug usage, gore, and murder. Just so everybody knows. So turn away now if this is uh, if this is any problem. Mm-hmm. We both did true crime this this episode. Yes. Hey twin. So the next, so this this episode I'm gonna do about the Night Stalker. Do you know about the Night Stalker? No, actually, it's one of those stories where everyone knows about it, but I feel like I never asked, and now I'm too embarrassed to. Uh, so when everyone mentions it, I'm just like, yeah, I know her. So anytime the the Hotel Cortez is brought up, mm-hmm. this is who they usually talk about because Hotel he Cortez is there. from American Horror Story. Fuck, what's that? The Cecil Hotel. Yeah, that's. <laughs> i'm sorry whatever universe lady gaga was the countess in is is the universe i want to be in so that's just this fact no complaints there anyways so the cecil hotel not the cecil hotel we're gonna call it the cecil hotel wait isn't it the cecil Hotel? isn't it Yes, it's not the Cortez. The Cortez is an okay, American mind. horror Just story. Ignore that. Continue wow. Continue from the beginning. Continue from the beginning. Okay. Well, anyways, anytime anybody talks about Richard Ramirez, it's usually they mention him when they're talking about the Cecil Hotel in L.A. because he lived there for a while, as well as other prolific serial killers. It's also where Eliza Lamb went missing. Mm-hmm. So there are things that have happened at this hotel that are really fucking creepy. But anyways, specifically, we're going to talk about the Night Stalker, which was his moniker, or Richard Ramirez. And my information came from Britannica.com and AllThat'sInteresting.com. And they're both articles about Richard Ramirez. So he was born on February 29, 1960 and was raised in El Paso, Texas. Ramirez claimed that his father physically abused him and that he sustained multiple head injuries at an early age. One injury was so severe that it reportedly caused him to have epileptic seizures. Now, I do remember doing research over um, Richard Ramirez back when I was in college for sociology. And also, he grew up near a toxic waste dump. And so, oh a lot God. of people think that th- like him being near that environment may, may have also affected his brain development. So... To escape his violent father, Ramirez spent a lot of time with his older cousin Miguel, who was a Vietnam veteran. Unfortunately, Miguel's influence wasn't that much better than his father had been. During his time in Vietnam, Miguel had raped, tortured, and even dismembered several Vietnamese women. And sickeningly, he had a photographic evidence to prove it. He often showed little Richie photos of the horrors he inflicted upon women. What the fuck? When Ramirez was 13 years old, he witnessed his cousin, Miguel, fatally shooting his own wife. 
Shortly after the shooting, Ramirez began to transform from a scared, abused boy to a hardened, sullen young man. What the hell? From developing an interest in, in Satanism to becoming addicted to drugs, Ramirez's life took a dark turn. Even worse, he was still under his cousin's influence, since Miguel had been found not guilty of the murders by reason of insanity. Miguel ultimately spent just four years in a mental hospital until he, until he was released. Before long, Ramirez developed an obsession with the same kinds of sexual and physical violence that Miguel had inflicted on the women in the photo. Ramirez had begun to have more run-ins with the law, especially after he moved to the uh, Los Angeles area in California. Though most of his early crimes in the late 1970s and early, er, and early 1980s were related to theft and drug possession, it would only be a matter of time before that they escalated to unspeakable violence. For a long time, Ramirez's first murder was believed to have taken place on June 28, 1984. It was then that he killed 79-year-old Janine Vinco. Not only did Ramirez stab and sexually assault his victim, he also slashed her throat so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Oh my god. But decades after Ramirez, Ramirez was arrested in 1985, he was also linked by DNA evidence to the murder of a 9-year-old girl, which took place on April 10th, 1984, months before Vinkow's murder. So that may well have been his first killing, unless there were more that never got reported or never got figured out before that. <laughs> after the Vinkow murder, it would be several months before Richard Ramirez struck again. But when he did, shit just got worse. Literally just got worse. On March 17, 1985, Ramirez's murder spree began in earnest with an assault on Maria Hernandez in her home. Though Hernandez managed to escape, her roommate Dale Okazaki was not so lucky. That evening, Okazaki became another one of Ramirez's murder victims. Wait, I have a quick question. What? You said this all took place in Los Angeles? Yes. So all of those murders? Yes. Some of them. Most of them. Okay. But Ramirez still wasn't done. Later that same night, so that same night that he killed uh, Dale Okazaki, he also killed Sailin Yu. Sailin Yu. Mm-hmm. He shot her. Oh my god. A little over a week later, Ramirez murdered 64-year-old Vincent Cesara and his 44-year-old wife Maxine. Sickeningly, it was then that Ramirez began to establish his signature attack style. Shoot and kill the husband first, then assault and stab the wife. But his murder of Maxine was especially ghastly as he gouged her eyes out with spoons. What the hell? One of the most terrifying things about Ramirez was that he was he was willing to kill just about anyone who crossed his path. Unlike some other serial killers who have a type, Richard Ramirez murdered both men and women and preyed on victims both young and old. Did he have like um what's the word? Like, what was the reasoning for it? A lot of people think that it was uh, Miguel. That that he just traumatized him to the yes. point where... It... Yeah. Th- oh that's what God. a lot of people think. A lot of people think that it was a combination of his dad beating him, them living near a toxic waste dump that affected his brain, uh, his, his brain development, and his cousin traumatizing him at a very impressionable age that made him uh, turn to more like depraved things. Like, he got sexual gratification from doing these things. Oh... Yeah. At first, it seemed like Ramirez was only attacking people near Los Angeles, but he soon claimed a couple of victims near San Francisco as well. And since the press dubbed him the Night Stalker, it was clear that most of his crimes happened at night, adding yet another scary element to this uh, serial killer. 
So is that why they called him the Night Stalker? Because his attacks mainly took place at night? Yes. Oh, well, how original. Disturbingly, many of his attacks included a satanic element as well. In some cases, Ramirez would carve pentagrams into his victims' bodies, and in other cases, he would force the victims to swear their love for Satan as he killed them. What the hell? All over California, people so there went... Was, I feel like there was more going on then. Well, I mean, this also happened during the Satanic Panic. I was just about to say that. I was like, yes. wait a minute. So this, I mean, I he had a big part to do with that. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, one of the main things that happened. And so a lot of, it was like, it just seemed like it was like a resurgence of Satanism. Like everybody was turned to the satanic church or a lot of people thought that they were. Yeah. There's like, there's Satanists, Satanists all over our neighborhoods. There's communists. Yeah. Yes. It was like, it was one of the same to them. And it was like becoming this thing where everybody thought that their next door neighbors were secret Satanists or or secret communists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, all over California, people went to bed fearing that the Night Stalker would break into their homes while they slept and perform an unspeakable ritual of rape, torture, and murder. Since he apparently attacked at random, it truly seemed like no one was safe. The LAPD increased their presence on the street and even created a special task force just to find him, with the F- FBI lending a hand. Meanwhile, the public anxiety was so intense around this time, there was a notable surge in the sales of guns, lock installations, burglar alarms, and attack dogs. But ultimately, it was Richard Ramirez's own mistake in August 1985 that led to his capture. After he was spotted outside a witness's home, he accidentally left a footprint behind, and he also left his car and license plate in plain sight. So it was a dumb luck. Where was Satan? Where? Where was your friend? Where? When the police tracked down the vehicle, they were able to find just enough of a fingerprint to make a match. By that point, they had already received tips that someone with the last name of Ramirez was involved. Sure enough, the LAPD was able to identify Richard Ramirez thanks to their new computer database of fingerprints. And even though the records only included criminals who were born after January 1960, it just so happened that Ramirez was born in February of 1960. Authorities soon found Ramirez's mugshot from his prior arrest, and one of his surviving victims came forward with a detailed description that was quite similar to the photos. By the end of August 1985, police decided to release the Night Stalker's image and name. Though they initially worried that this would give Ramirez a chance to escape, it turned out that he was blissfully unaware of his newfound publicity until it was too late. By sheer coincidence, Ramirez was traveling back to Los Angeles when his photo was released. I think he was on his way either back from El Paso, Texas, or he was back from San Francisco. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was on his way back. There was no cell phones back there, back then. So, you know, like, you couldn't consume media like we do now so quickly. Yeah. So, um, they released his picture in newspapers all over fucking L.A. Mm-hmm. And he just pulled up to a gas station and saw his fucking face on the newspaper. Like, hey, guys, what's going What? Yeah. <laughs> got his ass okay so back to my notes so it says so he didn't realize that he had been he had been tracked down until he was back in the city and he saw his own face on the newspapers though he attempted to flee the police and tried to steal a car in the process he was tracked down by a vigilante mob that recognized him they beat him up until the police finally closed in some report that they beat him with crowbars and metal instruments oh my god they really got it so they fucked his ass up they're like guys i don't know who did that (laughs) after his arrest arrest after his arrest (laughs) 
<laughs> After his arrest, Ramirez was found guilty of 13 counts of murder. In addition to the murder charges, authorities also found him responsible for committing several rapes, assaults, and burglaries. Ramirez was sentenced to death in the gas chamber for his crimes, and he smiled in response. The Night Stalker later said, I am beyond good and evil. I will be avenged. Lucifer dwells in us all. That's it. He was held in San Quentin State Prison for the rest of his life, but he was never put to, the, to death. Due to the complicated nature of his case, which included a 50,000-page trial record, the state Supreme Court wasn't able to hear his appeal until 2006. And even though the court rejected his claims, additional appeals would have, would have taken several more years. During his ex this extended delay, Richard Ramirez met a female admirer named Doreen Leoy, who had struck up a, cro a correspondence with him. And in 1986, he married her while he was on death row. Oh he's kind. He's funny. He's charming, Leoy said one year. I think he's a really great person. He's my best friend. He's my buddy. What sounds like hell? fucking Chucky, if you ask me. It sounds like she's describing Chucky, the, the fucking doll. Obviously, most people did not share her feelings. For the countless Californians who lived in terror during the mid-1980s, Ramirez was little, uh, a little better than the devil he worshipped. It's just evil. It's just pure evil, said Peter Zazara, the son of victim Vincent Zazara in 2006. I don't know why somebody would want to do something like that, to take joy in the way it happened. Ultimately, Richard Ramirez died of complications from B-cell lymphoma, a cancer of the lymphatic system, in 2013. He was 53 years old. While he was alive, Ramirez never expressed remorse for any of his crimes. In fact, he often appeared to take pleasure in his infamy. He said, hey, big deal. Shortly after getting the death sentence, death always comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. Um, some other good sources. To, if you're more interested in learning about the Night Stalker, is uh, there is a full documentary out on Netflix called Night Stalker Hunt for a Serial Killer. Uh, I have not watched it yet, but I've heard that it's really, really good. And also a good source of information is The Life and Crimes of Richard Ramirez and Night Stalker by Philip Carlo. And that book's been out since like the 90s. Wow. And that is the story of Richard Ramirez. I feel like... I missed out on a lot. Um, you did. Why do they have to give him such a good, like, a cool name? Like, Night Stalker. Like, that's such an X-Men name. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, when I, I remember doing research for him back in sociology. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it, he would actually, like, stalk his victims. Oh, like, that's okay. why they called they called him the Night Stalker. Like, Would you be able to put yourself close to me? Yeah. Not like that. <laughs> Well, anyways, they called him the Night Stalker, and it was because he would scope out a house and learn the rituals of the people that lived in the house. Mm -hmm. Like, he would watch them. What time do they leave for school? What time do they come back? What time is the husband usually home? What time do they go to bed? What time do they turn off the lights? Um, I got really into, like, kind of, I set the scene. I was like, imagine if somebody was outside of your house at this time at night and blah, 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 blah. I like typed out a whole fucking story and my sociology professor thought it was so good. And now I'm like, wow, I was weird back <laughs> like, then. Sir, this is the plot to Friday the 13th. <laughs> I was literally Johnny Depp. I was, um, what is it called? The acting that they do? Method acting. I was method acting, what? but like typing. Wait, Johnny Depp? 
Yes, that I don't. Those That's Nightmare on Elm Street. Fucking actors are weird. The thing that I'm referencing is that there are actors that use quote unquote method acting, like Heath oh. Ledger as well, oh, 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 where they fully get into the character and don't ever leave character. Uh-huh. Jared Leto does the same fucking thing. Jared and then he got in trouble for being an asshole to all his co-stars because he acted like he was the Joker the whole time he was on set because he thought it was so cute. He's so quirky, so cute. Wow. I'm about to. So, anyways, so I'm about I thought to I was bully. I thought it was method acting with this shit when I typed out the oh, whole I scenario. Thought, I thought we were still talking about old movies. That's what I mentioned. Uh, well, so he was fucking creepy, and when Yikes. he got caught, he was on trial. A lot of people worshipped him because he worshipped the devil and they like he was like a proxy for that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this like ramped up the fucking satanic panic during the 80s and it was just fucking crazy. Oh my god, the 80s seems... Like a fucking fever dream? Well, I would have used different words, but yeah. That's... Wow. That was when people would leave their fucking houses unlocked. Hair was huge. There was leg warmers. People took fucking coke. It was cool. Mess. The 80s. Wow. Just cute 80s things. Good job. (laughs) Wow. I never knew that. Um, I was looking... When you said that... I thought you had said that he was put on death row and that he mentioned something like... That I'll be back or something. What did you say? That When did he say that? That Satan is in all of us. That he will be avenged. When did he say that? What was he... when he was put on, when he was sentenced to death row. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I misunderstood that. Uh, <laughs> that's such a weird thing. Like, when, all the people in the room are like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> anyway, <laughs> He's I googled. Delusional. I googled. Um, I googled his name, and I guess he was a character on American Horror Story. Yes, actually, he was. Wow. He was on the hotel. He was living in the Hotel Cortez. Well, good job. Thank you. Snap, 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 snap. Since we can't clap. Yeah. It's too loud. Leo's sleeping. Leo's sleeping. After he fucking terrorized us the whole time we were recording, right when we're ending, when we're almost done, he's curled up into a little <laughs> donut on the bed next to me. Oh. He's such a menace. He's a fucking menace. Well, thanks for listening. Wait. Oh, sorry. I We want to thank everybody that's been reaching out to us on uh, Instagram. We really appreciate your messages. We've been getting a lot more traffic, a lot of listens. I think we just broke 50K listens yesterday. It was a few days ago. Yes, but we made it over 50K, and that would not be possible without our primos, primas, and primes. So we really appreciate you I was you like, 50,000? I've never seen that big of a number. No, definitely nope. not. Um I mean, if you guys have any suggestions, please send it into our Instagram. Um, we're It's usually easier for us to answer <laughs> messages on Instagram, uh, especially yeah, when we're at day, work. Yeah, the other day, I forgot. <laughs> the other day when I, we answered like all of our emails, I was like, oh my God, I haven't answered them in like weeks. So I've been taking care of them for you. The emails? Oh no, the emails, not the emails. You do the emails. the emails. I do the I mostly do the Instagram posts. But you're, you're so much... Uh, you're so much better at like talking to people. I'm a bad texter in general. That's that's how I see it. Like, if someone texts me, I'm usually like a, I'm more of a face to face type of person anyway. Yeah, obviously because I love talking. Um, but with like texts or emails or you know comments and stuff, I'm like I'm bad at that. But Andres does let me know. Like I can I can see them too. I see all the comments, so it's very we both nice. get them. It's yeah. very nice <laughs> seeing all your 
all you guys and how you guys are so supportive and i mean i don't remember who i was talking to on instagram the other night but um she was like wow i'm like starstruck i'm like girl we're cousins it's fine it's fine let us know guys don't be shy let us know about your lives let us know who your parents are where they're from we're not famous what do you do for i yes exactly we're, we're just not like talking <laughs> we just we just have an internet connection and we like talking about we had enough stuff. money to afford microphones and then we fucking just put out a show because we felt like it these and were so, like 10 bucks that's why were, we sound so static they were a dollar I, I usually i actually use my cole's cash to buy them oh is that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what? you just reminded what? me i i forgot to um mention it in the palate cleanser but now that you mentioned about cole's cash oh my god okay i don't want to give any like large details or whatever because you know client confidentiality but we work at banks someone came by and wanted to do a wire to buy cryptocurrency and i was fucking shaking fucking like throwing up like <laughs> not literally but i was so scared he was gonna mention about like cryptocurrency and talk to me about cryptocurrency i was like oh my god please no 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 i'm like cryptocurrency and i was trying to explain to my my coworker why i first of all i don't give a fuck about cryptocurrency you know i don't understand enough to care to learn about cryptocurrency so my obviously my coworker didn't really understand about it either and i was like cryptocurrency is like cold cash for straight guys yes i'm like so when someone talks to me like I will terrorize them back. If they want to terrorize me with cryptocurrency, I'm going to be like, oh, okay. So it's like Cole's cash. It's like Cole's cash. Straight guys. Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> by the way, percentages off come off after the Cole's cash. So. Period. So uh, do remember that when you're redeeming your cryptocurrency, crypto bro. That's exactly. what we call them at work. They're crypto bros. I am literally terrified for my life that I'm, it's like an MLM. That they're gonna come up to me and be like, for straight man, but for straight guys, they'd be like, Are you may I interest you in dog coin or something? I'm like, I literally don't know what you're saying. <laughs> wow, and to be honest, I don't care if someone messages me about cryptocurrency, I'm like, I, I don't care, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Somebody get on this right I'm now. I'm so scared, I'm so scared it's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna shake, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up, I'm gonna scream. Okay, sorry, off topic. We got off topic, okay, (laughs) going back. But we really do appreciate when you guys message us and you tell us a little bit about yourselves because we like to get to know our cousins and and our primos, primas, and primas. So we really appreciate it. And don't forget to submit your stories because usually your stories are better than any of the stories we could do. Those real life true stories that happen to somebody else creep me the fuck out more than anything that I could ever talk about on on the podcast. We got a really good one the other day. Uh, I can't we're wait gonna to do have the next... to we're gonna have to record for the for the next cheeky oh, sode. I can't wait to do the next cheeky sode. Oh, I read all of the reviews on like Apple, and those I'm always like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's more of <laughs> more five stars ratings, please, <laughs> please. So if you guys leave reviews there, just know that I'm reading them. He's the only one. I'm just like. Oh, dude, look at this. It usually, it's usually during work hours, too, and I'm like, I turn to, like, my coworker, and I'm like, oh, my God, look at this. Should I look send this email? Said. Or should I send this email about this time-sensitive project? Or should I read reviews? Let's read reviews. It's always read reviews. Yes, that's always the answer. 
to my future answer. employer don't listen to that oh my god <laughs> to my listen to my future employer that's not true that that wasn't even me we will never disclose the name of the podcast to anybody that after this job i will never disclose the name of the podcast to anybody that i work with you can google us and i'm pretty sure the podcast will show well i'm not going to mention that we have a podcast true what do you do for anyway, fun i am a farmer and i churn butter for fun I sit down like a normal human. And that's it. Work on a farm, preferably not with the German murder man from your story. I buy books and I don't read them like any other normal millennial. Oh, yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Just for the smell. Just the smell of book. That smell? Yeah. That smell of books? The paper smell. Till silverfish get in your books and that sucks. Where is this conversation going at I this I don't point? know. I think we're done. Okay. It's late. it is it is getting late so let's go to sleep um thanks for listening hold on hold on okay i have it pulled up thanks for listening please follow us on instagram at kiss bookie podcast or on or and on twitter at kiss bookie pod uh you can also email us any story suggestions or your own stories like your own scary stories and paranormal encounters and any other spooky shit that you think we may be interested in because we will read them. Um, you can send those over at guestbookypodcast at gmail.com. Um, a big special thanks to Taylor Turner for the artwork and to Kyle Fields for the intro music. And don't forget to tell someone you love how much they mean to you. And don't forget to learn to forgive yourself and to not apologize as much. Also learn sign language. See you next month at our next episode and you better know the full alphabet. Christmas. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.